0: The Lord be with you. I'm going to ask you to allow me to start us this morning by, uh, I want you to do a little reflecting on your own for a moment. I want you to ask yourself, or I'm asking you to to think about this, um, where do you find joy? Where do you find joy in your life? What makes you glad? What gives you deep gladness, deep joy? Uh, Just stop and think for a moment. Where do you find joy in your life? I suspect if you look deep enough or think about that, and I, and I trust, I hope, I pray that you do find joy. But I suspect that whatever it is that brings you deep gladness and joy, that something about that probably points you in some way to your Creator, to the way that He made you. Maybe it has to do with even relationship, that you find deep joy, deep gladness in that. The Scripture says, Psalm uh, 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Our Scripture this morning uh, comes from John's Gospel. You're welcome to follow along with me or read along with me or just simply listen. I'm in John chapter 17, and uh, I asked you to think about joy this morning because um, Jesus in this scripture talks about us having the full measure of his joy. It only comes in one verse in the fairly lengthy section, but it is uh, what we're going to try to focus on this morning. John chapter 17, I'm starting with verse 6. This is Jesus praying in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus says, I have re-, he's praying to the Father, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. There's a thread that runs through the messages and the scriptures that you've heard over the last few weeks if you've been here. And uh, it's become obvious to me at least. And uh, over the past few weeks we focused on Jesus who said, I am the good shepherd. And he said that those who listen to his voice, those who follow him, uh, are his sheep. And then we heard a metaphor that uh, Jesus used that would indicate even closer connection or intimacy when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we were urged to stay closely connected to him. Life, new life, abundant life, even eternal life, come by being connected to the source of life. Salvation may be nothing more than staying connected to the source of life. And then we reflected on the need to remain in Jesus' love. If we're to obey his command, his command is was this, uh, love love one another, love each other as I have loved you. God is love and the source of all love. We cannot get God right, we can't get love right if we don't remain in Christ and remain in His love. All of these passages speak to relationship. This is the thread that I see running through all of them. And uh, but really, through all of scripture, Christianity, faith, religion that is good and life giving will always be relational. And the pattern of uh, for relationship, for community, for loving each other is God, the divine community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is an eternal relationship of mutual giving and receiving of love, uh, a divine dance. It is a community defined by love, service celebration, and joy of self-emptying and filling. And we can scarce imagine the love, the delight, and the joy uh, that God finds with Himself, with themselves. Three persons so united in love that we say that there is only one God, but God is not alone in Himself or in themselves. God is singular and plural at the same time. And we hear the closeness of this divine community echoed in the Gospels. Uh, For example, the father at Jesus' baptism and then again at his transfiguration said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the father is affirming his love for his son. And as I've said to you in, in previous weeks, Jesus was able only to do what he did because he was affirmed and secure in the love of his father. He was able to empty himself knowing that the father would fill him again. And then we hear Jesus in our text this morning speaking of his uh, um, uh, he's coming to the end of his life in his ministry and he's speaking of his, his uh, looking forward to returning to be with his father and then ne- next Sunday here at Zion we'll be celebrating Pentecost when the Holy Spirit the third person of this divine community is poured out on all people the whole story the big God story is nothing but a love story It began at creation when God made us in love, made us in His likeness. And then Christ became incarnate, became fully human, sharing in our humanity so that we might share in His divinity. And then the Holy Spirit was sent not only to dwell among us, but to dwell in us, producing in us love and joy and peace. This is God moving ever closer to us, drawing us into deeper fellowship with Himself to the extent that we share in His nature and being. In fact, some have dared to suggest that humanity, through Christ and in Christ, becomes a kind of fourth person of the Godhead, sharing in the divine union. So deep is God's love for us that He shares Himself with us all that He is and all that He has. And He desires that we give ourselves to Him and each other in love, in service, in celebration, and in joy. God's love for us is like a mother's love for an only child. On this Mother's Day, think of the bonds of love that exist between a mother and her child or typically exist. It doesn't matter if that child is an infant or a grown adult. She's still your mother. You were formed in her womb. You you were nursed at her breast. She held you close to her heart. There's a bond that just is or should be. My mother is going to turn 83 next Sunday. She moved into an assisted living facility about a year and a half ago. And uh, initially, I uh, called her once a week, every week, just to assure her that uh, the things that really matter... Uh, haven't changed. I'm still here. We're still here for her. But then as time went on, her pattern started changing. And uh, when I wasn't hearing from her and she was rarely answering her calls, I started to realize that I was calling not just for her sake, but also for mine. I wanted to hear my mother's voice. God's love for us is deeper than that of a mother. And our bonds with God are deeper than those between a mother and a child. Israel was going through difficult times and uh, felt as though at one point that God had forgotten them. And in uh, Isaiah 49, this is what God says to Israel, to his people. He says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, it's unthinkable, but though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Isn't that amazing? God's love for us is so deep that he has tattooed us on his hands. We're there forever. Forever in his memory. Forever before him. He will never forget us. He is for us. He is with us. And His desire is that we be with Him and that we share in His love and in His joy. Jesus saved us by securing and ensuring our part in the divine community. He saved us not merely so that we go to heaven when we die, but even more wonderfully to live in and participate in the life, the love, and the joy of God. Even now, but forever. And yes, the Bible uses other descriptors and words, forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, atonement, salvation, heaven, but it all boils down to access and inclusion in the divine community. Heaven is nothing more than being in union with God and the source of love and life. And hell is nothing more than being separated from the source of light and love. You don't want to end up in a hellish existence. It is not what you were made for. You were not made to be isolated from God and others or to live only for yourself. That's what sin is. uh, Sin is the soul that is curved in on itself. Greed, hoarding, lust, pride, ego, selfishness, fear, critical and judging of others. That's the soul curved in on itself. Rather, you were made to love God, to love each other, to be like God. Loving and being loved, serving and being served, celebrating and being celebrated, giving and receiving joy. You were made for deep, intimate, and life-giving relationship with God and others. Relationship that is marked by love and joy. The kind of joy that would prompt you to sing, to dance, to make your heart overflow. And Jesus makes it possible. He reconciled us to God and then he committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus was all about building bridges and removing barriers. And the space that is between us, the the differences among us, don't have to divide. Those can be sacred spaces in which we learn and listen and discover and enjoy God and each other. Jesus makes community and relationship possible as well as modeling it for us. Our scripture this morning uh, gives us a small window into the relationship that Jesus had both with his father and with his disciples. It is seen in prayer, which by the way is another important way, a vital way of staying connected to God. John chapter 17, the entire chapter is Jesus praying to his father. He prays first for himself, then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for those who will believe in him through the message of the disciples, which is us. Prayer is a spiritual habit that fosters intimacy and union with God. It's about staying in touch, staying connected. Scripture says, pray without ceasing. Maybe with the advent of... um, iPhones and cell phones we we might have a better idea of what it means to be pray without ceasing I mean where do we go without these things right if I come to church here in the morning I'm like oh no I left my phone at home I'll go back home and get it which is silly it's like we can't live without these things constantly checking them text messages what have you I mean when you think about Scripture's admonition to pray without ceasing, it's like being aware, attuned, attentive to your relationship with God at every moment. What God is saying, what he might 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 be doing around you, your needs. I mean imagine if we were as attuned to God as we are to these things. That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? I have sort of this little discipline that I've developed for myself, and I'll just share it with you, it might be might find it helpful. Uh, this is next to, my, next to my bed because it's my alarm clock as well. But if somebody texts me or calls me, or, well, maybe not the call, but if somebody texts me in the morning, what have you, I, I do not check this thing in the morning until first I have been with God. The first person that I want to commune with in the morning is God. And I would like to say the last person that I want to be uh, in communication with in the evening is God. And when you actually live that way, you find that throughout the day, there are more regular reminders of God's presence and opportunities to commune, to have conversation with Him, to pray without ceasing. It's an important way of staying connected with Him. So the prayers to which Jesus' followers were privy were were modeling for them and revealing to them the kind of intimacy that Jesus had uh, with His Father and the kind that he desired us to have as well with him. And they took note of when and how Jesus prayed. They sensed the deep intimacy, the love, the joy that Jesus had in his relationship with the Father. And also the love and the desires that Jesus had for his disciples. These were clues of who he was that spoke of his identity and the source of his strength, his hope, and his assurance. Faith is not a private matter. And in the way that Jesus lived and loved and taught and served and prayed, he was modeling for the disciples the with-God life. Jesus, Jesus' spirituality was visible. It wasn't showy, but it was visible. And so perhaps a word this morning to mothers as well as fathers and grandparents, aunts and uncles, this is hopefully the life that you are as well modeling for your children, for those young eyes, grandchildren, nieces and nephews, they're watching you. They, they watch you in worship. Are you engaged? Are you, they do because they share it in the youth group and they share it in children's ministry what you do when you're sitting here. They do. They're watching you. How are you worshiping? How are you listening? How are you engaging with God in worship? They watch and listen as you pray with them at the table or at, or at bedtime. And they watch how you respond spiritually and with faith and with prayer in difficult times the death of a loved one the loss of a job separation or divorce a time of financial strain when you're going through those tough times they watch to see how your faith is lived out in real time you're modeling for them what it is to have a with God life I trust that you're modeling that for them Jesus found great joy in his with God relationship. This is the joy that he has and that he desires us to have and experience. In verse 13 of the passage this morning, Jesus says to his father, I'm coming to you now. And then he prays that the disciples would have the full measure of his joy within them. Jesus was physically leaving this world, but the disciples would remain to carry on his work. It would be hard. There would be persecution and hard times ahead. The evil one will attempt to rob them of of life and joy and peace. Jesus prays for their unity. He prays for their protection. He acknowledges that they are not of the world. Jesus, by the way, says some disparaging things here about the world which we need to understand rightly. God loves the world. It's why he sent Jesus into the world. Christ loved this world. But world, as it is used here in this particular context, is the ugly distortion of humanity brought through dehumanizing forces, systems, structures of power, lust, greed, and pride. And the reason that the world will hate the, the disciples is that they are advocates of another way ambassadors of another kingdom. And this is how they and we are to be salt and light, a city on a hill. We are to model what it means to be Christ in a Caesar-like world. When We compromise our witness when we proclaim Christ but act like Caesar or, in, or are in collusion with Caesar. To be Christ-like in a Caesar-like world requires us to embrace the cross. Now, that doesn't sound like joy. How do we have the full measure of Christ's joy if we are facing hardship and hatred? How do we have joy if we are carrying a cross? Well, the same way that Jesus did, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus died to ensure that we might share in his life, his love, and his joy. Pierre, de, uh, can't even say his name, Pierre Delhard de Chardon, a Jesuit priest and theologian, and a pivotal Christian thinker said, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. Maybe that's why I asked you at the beginning to think about where you find joy, where you find deep gladness, And where is God in the midst of that? How is that joy pointing you to God or even your hunger for God? If you meditate on God, if you meditate on His Word, if you meditate on the goodness of God and His love for you, you will have joy. If you meditate on all your difficulties, on your problems, on your fears, you will have anxiety. If you want joy... Meditate on and stay connected to God, the source of love and joy. Joy is more, by the way, than a sense of humor, more than earthly pleasure, and to a believer it is even more than what we call happiness. Joy is the enjoyment of God and the good things that come from the hand of God. The most famous question from the Westminster Catechism is this. Uh, Anybody from a Presbyterian background would, would know this. What is the chief aim of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit of God dwelling in us and produces a a winsomeness that draws others as well. We are chosen for joy. And however hard the Christian way and however difficult the trials and temptations of this world it is both in the journey and in the destination, the way of joy. Jesus' joy and delight stemmed from the intimate relationship that He had with His Father, which He desires us to have with Him. Without Him, our love is not complete. Without Him, our joy is not complete. God's love must flow toward us and out from us, or we do not experience or enjoy its full effects. Jesus' prayer is that we stay connected to Him, And each other. And his prayer is that we might share in him and in the Father, and thus our joy is made complete. Again, joy will come not because you have heard a sermon about it, but because you are truly growing in Christ. And until Christ is passed on, passed on personally through faithfulness and forgiveness, through love and concrete bonds of love, I doubt whether it is passed on. By words, or sermons, or institutions, or ideas. Friends, if salvation is nothing other than staying connected to God, then may we draw near to God that He may restore in us His joy. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are a fountain of love, the wellspring of life. In wisdom and love, with divine humility and vulnerability, you come to us. You give yourself for us and to us. Forgive us, Lord, all the ways that we doubt and flee and resist your persistent call. Forgive, cleanse, and mend the divides. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. As we share in the divine nature through your son Jesus, let us sing for joy to you and love and serve and worship you in gladness. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.